Welcome to the Happy Saver podcast. I'm Ruth, a personal finance blogger right here in New Zealand. And in this podcast, I chat to a diverse bunch of people. I learn their story and I condense it down so that you can hear helpful, relatable stories from Kiwis who are sharing their experiences, their tips and their point of view on personal finance here in New Zealand. For the last episode in this series, I have once again reconnected with a few people that I've interviewed before, and I really like to check in on people and get a feel for the progress and the changes they've made, and I know you do too. And a lot of people ask me, what happened to so-and-so? So I've got three revisits for you this time. There is Lucas, who was feeling the burden of a $1.2 million mortgage in Auckland, and Callum, the now 26-year-old from Christchurch, who has just jumped boots and all into housing and gone from zero houses to five in just three short years, and also Brady and her husband Paul, who climbed their way out of a ton of mortgage debt and are now investing hard for their futures. But before I get started, I have a message from Pocketsmith, the wonderful sponsors of today's show. I'd been a user of Pocketsmith for a few years before the global pandemic reached our shores. It was the first place I went to check the financial health of our family when it arrived here and created chaos. Pocketsmith really came into its own during that time because it was the one place we could go to see our complete financial situation laid out in front of us in a single screen. With job uncertainty on the horizon, Pocketsmith's colour-coded pinwheel showed me at a glance where our family could instantly cut all unnecessary spending and a 10-minute family meeting united us to reduce costs, protect our money and have a sense of control in what were uncertain times. So take it from me, whether you're a household of one or many, Pocketsmith will help you thrive, not just survive, financially. If you want financial clarity with Pocketsmith, they've got a deal for you. Happy Saver listeners get a whopping 50% off your first two months of Pocketsmith's premium plan. To get your deal, go to pocketsmith.com forward slash the happy saver. Righto, first up is Lucas. Now, I first spoke with Lucas in episode number 28 when he and his wife were feeling the really heavy burden of a $1.2 million mortgage over their home and rental property. I then did a follow-up of them in episode number 42 where we learned that in June 2019, they had sold the rental property that was financially crippling them and were now down to $425,000 in mortgage debt on their own home. By May 2020, that balance was down to $394,000, and when we spoke again in March 2021, it was down to $374,000. And I was interested to know if, given the increase in house prices, was there any remorse for buckling under the pressure of that almighty debt and selling up? Well, um, that is a big, big no. They are very happy to have gotten out from underneath it. In fact, he is currently looking sideways at an acquaintance who is looking to borrow huge sums of money to purchase an $800,000 granny flat in Auckland, and he's thinking to himself, been there, done that, never again. Instead, they have their plan, and they're sticking to it as best they can. They're still on a very high combined income of $250,000 a year, with him working full-time in IT and his wife working 20 hours a week in a medical field. And throughout COVID, both of their careers have been needed and his position is now secure after all those years of uncertainty. And that really helps with being able to plan. I asked why, given their high salary, was their debt not far lower because I knew his plan is to be debt free by 40. Well, that would be because they have been cash flowing renovations to their home to the tune of $150,000 or probably more the final bills are not in yet. 
In order to pay for these, they are now making the minimum required payments on their mortgage, whilst also dipping into the revolving credit facility to free up cash, and they're also using their incomes to pay for the invoices. And work is far from finished, with delay after delay, meaning they are a long way from done. Deposits have been paid to tradespeople, work has not been completed as promised, and at the same time, as always happens with renovations, one project leads to another and another, so it has turned into a far bigger renovation than was originally planned. Which Lucas is finding really frustrating, but I couldn't help but hear in his voice a calm acceptance of working through the process of getting it all sorted out. And I know that if they had have borrowed the money to do all of this work, he would have been a lot more wound up. But it looks like it will be next summer that they finally get to enjoy a newly landscaped backyard and a fully completed house, finally. With the major money having now been spent for the renovations, the plan continues to be to own their own home and to be debt-free by the time he turns 40. He's currently 36. It's a huge goal to pay off $374,000 or a whopping $93,500 of debt each year, but this family has come such a long way and their previous mindset of living their life using debt, or as Lucas said, pre-committing his money to serve debt, it's changed so much that I think they will make it and they will put that great combined income to really good use. And while they are concentrating on the house for the moment and have committed to staying there long term, they do continue to build their investing muscle on the side because once the debt is gone, that's where they'll turn their money to next. They're not doing much that is different to the last time we spoke. They are investing into index funds, which he said are just a nice and steady way to grow wealth, and they have grown their balance to $56,000 now. His own KiwiSaver fund has now passed the $100,000 mark, and his wife has a balance of about $45,000. He said he was running some numbers recently, and he realised that even if they stopped contributing to these accounts, they would still grow to a very tidy amount by the time they turn 65, and using sorted, I estimated it would be about $352,000 combined, because compounding starts to kick in as the balance grows, and he's really into that investing groove now. And out of interest, if their income stayed at the $250,000 mark, Sorted estimated they would have $926,000 at the age of 65. They also continue to invest for their two kids, who are now aged three and five, with $20 a week going into Superlife, where he is putting 35% into a New Zealand-based fund and 65% into a US-based fund. A further $100 a month per child is then going into InvestNow, spread 50-50 between New Zealand shares and global shares. A bit of a double up, but they are going really well with the five-year-old having $14,000 invested and the three-year-old with $7,000, which sounds like a lot, right? But what I love about starting Kids Investing Young is that it shows us, the adults, just how fast things grow if you commit to a steady and consistent investment strategy. And if we also leave it alone, investing $180 a month per child builds fast and then those returns they receive start to compound too. The idea is to use this money towards their kids' education, and they are considering, but in no way have decided on it, that private schooling at a cost of twenty-two dollars to $25,000 per year per child might be an option for them. The key to good money management, in my mind, is to think well ahead about upcoming expenses, so that if, and that's a big if, this becomes a reality, they have the money there to pay cash for it. And I love this forward planning. And if it does not end up eventuating, then these savings are just rolled into the next goal. 
they are really into the groove now. The house is nearing the end of sucking up huge parts of their income, but they have an investment plan for when the renovations are complete. In the meantime, they are just investing small amounts on the side, and this is building up their education around investing and giving them confidence that the process does indeed work and that there is an alternative to housing in New Zealand as a way to build wealth without debt. So once they're mortgage-free, the amount they can invest will be incredible, and I've no doubt that these two will be multi-millionaires before too long at all. So next up is Callum, and I interviewed Christchurch-based Callum back in May 2018, so almost three years ago. It was episode number 16 called Consistent Saving, Smart Investing, Mindful Spending. So jump back and take a listen to it if you've not done so already. At the time we spoke, he was just 23 years old. He'd left school at about the age of 16 and gone straight into a building apprenticeship. And he knuckled down and was a fully qualified builder at the age of just 19. And at the age of 21, he took a step up into a second career as a building inspector for his local council. Always a very driven young guy, he was always looking for both responsibility and remuneration, and he took any opportunity with his new employer to increase his skill set. And despite his um, excessive buying and selling of cars, he lived well below his means, investing and saving hard into a variety of ETFs and pie funds, plus saving with his bank. He was in a committed relationship and renting at the time. He very much had his eye on the housing market and was very serious about buying rental properties. His net worth at that stage was sitting at $173,000 and keeping an active interest in his net worth showed that he gave his financial situation the attention it really deserved. And now at the age of 26, he was a hard man to reach. His work is extremely busy given the building boom that is currently happening. Plus there are not many builders out there that are not helping out their friends on the weekend and Callum is definitely one of them. But he gave me an update via email of what's changed in his world since we last spoke. He is still working in the same career, having now been there about five years, and in the workforce for a total of 10. And quite a bit has changed for Callum with another promotion at work, carrying out a range of different duties to do with building control. Unfortunately, due to COVID, on this occasion there was not a pay rise to match the new role. He still invests small amounts regularly into index funds and ETFs, and his KiwiSaver is still working away in the background with simplicity and a growth fund. However, these investments are no longer the main focus for Callum, rather another much smaller piece of the whole and now much larger puzzle. Not long after we spoke in 2018, he actually purchased his first rental property, which he said he managed to get for a good price. He was able to rent it straight away after doing some minor fix-ups, which of course he did himself, and he then went on to purchase three more houses, and very recently another. So that's five houses in total, four rental properties, and one owner occupied by himself. Unsurprisingly, real estate now makes up the majority of his portfolio. He likes the fact that he can see it and touch it, believing he can influence the value and return of this asset class by putting in the work, especially due to the fact he is a builder, and he lives close by, meaning that he is able to do most repairs and maintenance himself. The reason Callum was able to purchase these in such a short amount of time was partly due to his good income, which makes it easier for the bank to approve loans, which he has the ability to service. Plus, having saved up a large cash deposit, banks looked upon him favourably, and he did cash out some of his share investments to boost his deposits. With each new purchase, he did small improvements to add value, and he revalued each property as he went, using that increased equity to purchase the next. All of these five homes are in Canterbury, where he sees real bang for his buck, he said. 
compared to other regions in New Zealand. He really is talking the talk now, saying you can get a good yielding property in a good location for approximately three hundred fifty to four hundred thousand dollars. Where he said you would pay five hundred fifty to seven hundred thousand dollars in other areas of New Zealand for the same property. He formed this opinion when, in twenty nineteen, he did a ten month work contract up in Auckland, carrying out building inspections. Where, by the way, they paid for his accommodation, provided him with a vehicle, and he essentially saved his entire paycheck for ten months to help boost his deposits. This had him driving all over the wider Auckland region day to day, and he got to see a massive amount of properties firsthand. This really opened his eyes to help him realise that in little old South Island, we can buy houses for a fraction of the price, and these are generally in much better condition and closer to amenities, plus we don't have the mad traffic. He said he was personally very bullish on the South Island and specifically the Canterbury region, as there is a massive amount of work being undertaken in Canterbury with all the new infrastructure, new jobs and developments and he said it's really starting to take off again after the earthquakes of 2010. In the last 12 months alone, he said it's been absolutely insane seeing how much the values of these properties have gone up on paper, which adds to his net worth. Of course, he will only realise these actual values if he sells, but in the meantime, the increased equity has allowed him to borrow more off the bank. At this stage, his strategy, however, is to be a buy-and-hold investor. With the purchase of these five properties, his net worth has increased considerably, he said, from the $173,000 when we last spoke to sitting up over $500,000 now. The estimated value of the properties based on their CVs alone is approximately $2.1 million, but he said CoreLogic data would put that figure anywhere from $250,000 to $500,000 higher for all five properties. Plus, the biggest change in his formerly debt-free situation is the not insignificant fact that this 26-year-old's total debt is now somewhere over $1.3 million. Each property required a deposit of between 20 to 40%, depending on whether it was owner-occupied, rented or purchased since the government changes introduced in March 2021 to slow, heavily leveraged people like Callum down. The rental income for some properties covers all expenses, for some it doesn't, So across the whole portfolio, Callum generally needs to top it up a little from his own salary, which he is fine with, he said. With the new rules the government has introduced in March, his expenses are set to increase because he is carrying so much debt and therefore paying a lot of interest, which will now attract a higher tax bill. So his plan? When we spoke, it was pretty soon after those announcements and he was still thinking through how it applied to him, but he said he'll basically need to raise the rents and try to smash the debt as quickly as possible, using rent and his own income to try and reduce this tax bill. Getting rid of mortgage debt has always been a focus of his from the outset anyway. However, the more interest rates rise, the higher the tax bills will be. It's a bit of an unknown, but basically he is going to ride it out as best he can and avoid selling, as he still believes that property is a great asset for him to invest in. Now the structure of his debt is important. In the last three years, he has made mortgage payments to both principal and interest, so he is paying down the total debt over time, not doing what he said a lot of investors and mortgage brokers suggest, by paying interest only and essentially hoping for the value of the property to rise or have capital gains, which, as many might be about to find out in this new climate, are certainly not guaranteed. Thankfully, he has found a few mentors in the space of real estate, and he has generally followed their advice one point of which was always to pay P&I or principal and interest on the loans. It's feeling like a good decision right now, he said. 
I've spoken with many people who take on a lot of debt to buy property, to rent out, and those who are successful always cite paying both P&I. Many of them invested through periods of high interest and flat capital gains, and that is when you really see the importance of actually paying off your principal. Now, the March 2021 government announcement around trying to cool the very rapidly rising housing market that Callum, as a rental property investor, is trying to cash in on, see him now looking to adjust his investment strategy. Obviously, given the fact he has taken on substantial debt to buy these five properties, these governmental changes, particularly he said the fact he can no longer claim the interest portion of the loans as an expense, will have a financial impact on him, increasing his tax bill, something he is certainly less than impressed by. But a life lesson is to be found here, I think. Rules change. Whatever government is in at the time, they will pull certain levers to address whatever need they see. And what these changes might do is dissuade others from taking the same path as Callum. But for those already heavily indebted, you just have to adapt. It's just as simple as that. They are not the first sitting government to do such a thing, to change the game right when you are playing it. And they won't be the last. And it just highlights to me that we are each a very small cog in a very large and slow-moving economic wheel. He said that he is sure he will figure something out, but it will be interesting to see what happens due to these changes. In the short time he's been a landlord, he has prided himself on being a good one. He said he charges what he calls fair rent, whatever that means, fixes issues as soon as they are raised, and he gives the tenants full privacy. He said the houses he has are all of a good standard, which he would happily live in himself, and indeed he has actually lived in a few of them already. However, he said he may in time have to end up selling one of these properties to pay down debt or take the other path and raise the rents, which does not help the problem the government was trying to fix, he said. His plan while he works out exactly what the implications of these changes are is to take on as much extra work as possible and ruthlessly cut any unnecessary spending to try and see if he can afford to hold all of these houses and pay the extra tax bill when it finally arrives one day. He said he will see how he goes over the next couple of years. So Callum is still very focused and disciplined when it comes to his spending, and he said that he still has multiple bank accounts for different purposes, with the majority of transactions being automated, so it all happens without him having to remember to pay his bills or what have you. He has also managed to slow down on the car swapping, and he said he has probably only had about two cars since we last spoke, something he considers to be a massive win. With his position change at work, he lost his company vehicle, which is a bit of a setback due to increased costs of running his own car, which is now a 2007 station wagon, which fits all of his tools, with 85,000 Ks on the clock, which he paid $8,000 cash for, bought from a local dealer. It's cheap to run and maintain, he said. There is another house move on the cards, as he is about to move to his most recently purchased property that is closer to his work, reducing commuting time and costs. Plus, he can work from home a couple of days a week, reducing those costs still further. Otherwise, he said he still follows the fire space and reads personal finance books, etc. But he has taken a bit more of a laid-back approach to it all, as he also wants to enjoy his time while saving for the future. For about four to five years, he said, he has been all guns blazing and nearly burned himself out. And more recently, he said he's made some lifestyle changes that probably aren't the best financial moves, but they have greatly increased his overall well-being so have been good moves. So there you go, that's a lot of change for Callum over the last three years, with such a heavy push into just one asset class, with such a large debt load when previously he had none. 
And pretty quickly, I think he is feeling the impact of the decisions he has made and hopefully realizing that parts of what we do are often outside of our control. So we need to diversify and plan as much as we can to mitigate those risks. It's about finding balance. Swing too far in one direction and you upset the balance, too far in another and the same will happen. And at the age of just 26, he's learning on the fly here. But aren't we all? Now finally, a catch up with Brady and her husband Paul. Brady was one of the very first people I spoke to for my podcast. She was in episode number one, in fact. And ever since, we have kept in touch. And I've watched her journey out of debt via her Instagram, which is at KiwiGirl on a budget. I last did a recap of her and her husband Paul's story in episode number 14. They actually went from the position Callum is now in with several rental properties and a very high debt load to becoming completely debt free. I knew that they had come a long way since selling up their rental properties, so I was pretty keen for a quick catch up. Of particular interest is the fact that in November 2019, I got an email that said, it's official, we are millionaires. The value of their property had increased to $880,000 and that when they combined this total with their KiwiSaver funds and other investments, their net worth was up to about $1.1 million. There was a huge feeling of accomplishment to reach this milestone, Brady said. Because for years and years, they had dug themselves into a deep, dark hole of rental property debt and then it took a few short, sharp, hard years to dig themselves out of it and beyond. When we spoke in late March of 2021, her and Paul were on a week off from their full-time jobs, and they were actually headed to the beach. She told me that it has been two years since they paid their last mortgage payment in April 2019, and in the two years since they became completely debt-free, time has flown, but they have packed a lot into that time as well. They have really been enjoying being debt-free and have dedicated some time and money to complete some of the home upgrades that they had deferred while they tackled debt. They also took the opportunity to upgrade the car and after an extremely long and patient wait, Paul finally got to upgrade his TV. He got Sky back too after having it cut when they were aggressively paying off debt. Even though they are now debt-free, Brady continues to budget strictly and she knows and pays close attention to where every single dollar is going. She budgets for entertainment so they can do things. She budgets for gifts for their kids, her weakness, she said, a lovely weakness to have if you ask me. They have just discovered hiking. It costs you nothing, but it's so amazing to be out in nature, she said. They can both have a busy week and a stressful week and they can go out into the bush and nature and just recharge and she loves it. And because of that, they have actually just booked to walk one of New Zealand's great walks, the Root Burn. But apart from these budgeted expenses, they are full circle again and are putting their noses to the grindstone yet again. Since becoming debt-free, they have been investing 20% of their combined fortnightly take-home pay, but they've just taken it up a notch and have just started to invest 50% of their combined after-tax income. March 2021 was actually the first month of this new arrangement. And she said that it was two years in the making to get to this point and she is really excited to have the deferred expenses out of the way so they can really get cracking on the next phase of their money journey. If she continues to invest as soon as their pay hits the bank, she is estimating that they will invest around $70,000 a year, which is sort of what they were paying off their debt when they had it. The difference is that this time they are no longer working extra hours so they can pour money into their investments they are just working their normal full-time jobs. They just hit the $300,000 mark of money under investment 
and they are still investing into exactly the same things, into their KiwiSaver funds and into the New Zealand Top 50 and US 500 index funds. The only change has been to start investing 5% of this amount into a New Zealand government bond fund, and in the words of JL Collins, to even out the ride. This is a phenomenal achievement in such a short amount of time, and it shows that they have really stuck to their plan. A Christmas present to herself was The Simple Path to Wealth by JL Collins, which is, hands down, my favourite personal finance book. Once she purchased it, it sat on her shelf for a few months, but once she read it, she decided that his advice was gold. She loves his keeping it very simple strategy. You pay off debt, you have an emergency fund, you start investing. Now, with the knowledge she has, at the age of 50, she is putting her foot down and making up for the lost time while they are still in their good earning years. When we spoke, she had read a property article in the New Zealand Herald where the writer talked about how people are going to open homes looking for bigger, flasher houses. Basically, the writer was saying that we are forgetting that wealth is not how many things you have, but how few your wants are. The basics in life are not hard to achieve, but the pressure of luxury puts so much stress on people. Brady and Paul are so pleased to no longer feel that pressure and they feel so fortunate to have what they have. And that is enough. They have found contentment in a society that keeps trying to tell them that they should be wanting more, which is no mean feat. They continue to live beneath their means, saving up, looking for a bargain and paying cash for the few things they now need while trying to waste as little as possible. They continue to plan ahead, looking years into the future. Within five years, they would like to reach a million dollars invested, and then they could live off the income it generates by using the 4% rule. There are no hard and fast plans. They will see how they go as they move towards that goal and will keep doing what they are doing and reassess it in five years. She said that the next five years are really critical. They feel critical. And as with many, she just thinks back and wishes they started this journey far sooner. But by following this plan, she estimates they will have heaps of FU money, just like JL Collins prescribes. Now, to illustrate FU money and to illustrate this point, look for The Position of FU by JL Collins on YouTube. Brady is still really active on Instagram at KiwiGirl on a budget, and she continues to talk to her Instagram community of friends. She said that people still message her all the time and she tries to put them on the right path and finding ways to help others, including offering a video call to help others learn to do a budget. She continues to just want to inspire others to live beneath their means and have fewer wants, and to do that she gives a glimpse of what mortgage-free life looks like for her and Paul. I asked if they had any regrets since selling their rentals, given the fact the price of houses has increased. Her response? Man, I'm glad I invest in shares. And since the changes the government announced in March in regards to rental property, she is happier than ever to be out of it. The value of the one home they do own has increased. It's possibly worth a million now, representing far too much of their net worth, she said. She would prefer a 50-50 split between share and KiwiSaver investments and the price of their home. She sees all that money tied up in a single house, money that they can't use, and they are keen to downsize and take $100,000 to $200,000 out and add it to their non-housing investments. This could happen within the next five years. They may even choose to build a smaller house to achieve this. Brady and Paul are very much enjoying their debt-free life, and so they should. They have worked incredibly hard and swum against the tide to achieve it. And what inspires me most about these two is something that Dave Ramsey, a mentor of theirs, always says, 
and that is you can wander your way into debt, but you can't wander your way back out. They applied discipline and forward planning to become debt-free and have now kicked it up a gear as they use the same discipline and intentionality to pour money into their investments to make up for lost time, all the while just working their day jobs and being content with the life they're living. Sounds like a very rich and full life to me. Just before I wrap up today, I have another quick message from today's sponsor. Thanks again to Pocketsmith for sponsoring The Happy Saver and helping me keep my own personal finances on track. If you want to supercharge your finances with Pocketsmith, have we got a deal for you. Happy Saver listeners get a whopping 50% off your first two months of Pocketsmith's premium plan. To get your deal, go to pocketsmith.com forward slash the happy saver. That's pocketsmith.com forward slash the happy saver. Sorry to tell you that this brings me to the end of another series of the Happy Saver podcast. If you want to know when the next series will be released, you can subscribe to my blog and I'll let you know just as soon as I know. On my blog, I regularly release updated blog posts about once a fortnight about my own investing journey and whatever takes my fancy in relation to money right here in little old Aotearoa. So if you have not found my blog yet, go and check it out. You can also follow me at The Happy Saver on Instagram, although I do warn you I'm not the best at adding to my story. So following my blog is always the best way to keep up. So that's all from me this week and for this series. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. And thanks too for all of your wonderful feedback. It genuinely makes me smile every time I read a comment. And now all that remains to be said is that I would love it if you would talk more about money with your own friends and whanau and help me continue to help others reach financial freedom in whatever way is meaningful to them. So until next time, happy saving. Happy saving.